Hello, you're listening to the podcast, Every Tongue Got to Confess. It's being brought to you by the Zora Festival 2017 and Rollins College. And in this podcast, we look at the issues and dilemmas facing the 21st century. I'm Robert Castanello, an associate professor of history at the University of Central Florida, and I'll be your host for this episode of the Every Tongue Got to Confess podcast. I sat down with Professor Leslie Poole from Rollins College to talk about environmental studies and social justice. She teaches classes that examines the environmental history and the impact that we have on the environment to her students at Rollins College. Okay, Leslie, thank you for uh, joining me today. Glad to be here. Can you introduce yourself to our subscribers? I'm an assistant professor of environmental studies at Rollins College, and I've been doing research in a number of different areas involving Florida and environmental history in Florida. So can you tell our subscribers a little bit, I don't know how much of them know exactly what um, environmental history is or the approach a historian takes environmental history and a little bit because I know you're interested also in the intersection of environmental history and social justice. What, what does that mean exactly? Well environmental history is taking a look at how the land, or the landscape, the environment has shaped people and how in return people have shaped that landscape and it's had a big impact. We just don't always think about it um, from different points of view. For example, the Dust Bowl is really a major environmental disaster. It had a huge impact on the United States and on environmental policies and on federal policies. But it, we don't always think of it as an environmental disaster or, or as a part of environmental history. And so I've concentrated on that. And one of the things I've found in my research about Florida has been the issue of environmental justice in the state. And that's really looking at what happens when the environment is degraded and who suffers the most from it. And studies have shown time and again around the country and in Florida that the people who are most often hurt by that are the poor and minorities and that they live near these degraded areas and that they work in them very often as well. And of course, we're here in the, in the fall of 2016, and probably for our subscribers, the, the, the thing that most uh, articulates what you're talking about is the Flint water crisis. But what are some things around Florida that um, they may not know about that could sort of be comparable in that sense? Oh my goodness, there's a lot. Um, and, and a lot of our uh, people in Central Florida don't even realize um, the impact of people uh, by Lake Apopka, which is widely considered the most polluted lake in Florida but it was polluted from a variety of sources, including agricultural fields nearby where a lot of different chemicals were sprayed. But those workers who worked in those fields were also sprayed by those chemicals and as a result have had some long-term health issues and cannot get anyone to listen to them or to do any kind of long-term health studies on them. And they live in an environment where there's uh, toxic dumps nearby and a polluted lake and so they're the ones who suffer. They're powerless, seemingly voiceless, 
but they've been working hard over the last few years to really try to get the voice out and to let people know what the story is about their conditions and to try to get the public's attention. You know, we're celebrating Thanksgiving and so happy for all the food on the table and rarely do we think about the people who put that food on the table, who may have been sprayed by chemicals, pesticides, fertilizers, who may have had the hand, their hands in these uh, chemicals while picking the food that we're going to put on our table. And we should be more mindful of that. We think about what goes in our bodies, but we don't always think about what goes in their bodies. Another example in Florida, we've had toxic dumps. There's a case up in Pensacola that's been long-term. Uh, they call it Mount Dioxin, right in the middle of downtown Pensacola. And it was a EPA cleanup site, but it led to the pollution of a nearby African-American community. And it became one of the first communities that the federal government paid to move the people out of their neighborhood because they couldn't afford to leave. They were low income. They had nowhere to go and no recourse when the pollution started to affect their health and their lives. There's many examples in Florida. I can go on and on. <laughs> Great. So now, now let's talk a little bit about the classroom. I mean, what happens, because I, I know in my experience in the classroom, whenever you present these sort of uh, critical or difficult histories to students, it's really hard for them to sort of wrap their heads, uh, you know, around these things. You know, what, what's been a strategy for you to introduce these topics to students? Well, students get it. I think they realize from a common sense point of view that the people who are least able to avoid environmental disasters and environmental degradation are the poor. And once they start to think about it and then we start to talk about the demographics of it, I think that, that they understand that. And But probably the most effective way is either to take them out and let them see one of these toxic sites or to bring in people who have been doing work in those areas. Uh, last year I brought to my class Joy Toll Ezel, who has been working to try to clean up the Fen Holloway River in Perry, Florida. And she came to class and started telling them the story of her life, about how she grew up in this rural area and how much she loved it, and how this river has been so important to the Perry area. But during World War II, the city, and city and county government, in a hopes of bringing in a huge paper plant, uh, went to the legislature and got special designation of the Finn Holloway as an industrial river, which meant that the plant could be built and it could dump anything it wanted into the river. Well, some of the chemicals that went into the river include dioxin, which is widely considered one of the largest cancer-causing chemicals in the world. Joy became incensed when it became clear that the river was polluted, that local wells had become polluted, and that the lifestyle of the people in that area had been horribly degraded. And it was a low-income rural area that was welcoming industry, thinking, oh, they're bringing money in, they're bringing in jobs, but there was no thought to what it would do to the environment. So she has made it her mission for the last two decades and more to try to clean up the Finn Holloway, to get the legislature to reverse this act, and to make this plant clean up the mess it's made. You can, you can literally smell the chemicals in the river. If you've ever driven by a power, um, pulp mill, you know that smell. It's pretty, you know, distinct. You can smell that in the water on the river 10 miles downstream. And that's what's going into this river that used to be a wonderful tourist place. They used to have a water bottling plant. 
So when Joy comes to my class and tells these stories and you can see the passion and you can see the sadness, I think that my students are completely engaged and they understand the problem. It's a story of people and that to me is, is the way you really get students to understand. Have you found that students, um, once they once they complete your class, maybe once they graduate, do they do they then find um, issues or causes along these lines? Well, I had one student who said that she had never really thought about it, but that her father had died or or been suffering from cancer, and he told her while she was discussing the class with him that he had been a farm worker at a point in his young life. And it led her to wonder whether he might have been afflicted by chemicals that led to his now degraded health and, and you know, the danger of, of death as well. And it really, she was very affected by it and told me that she was now thinking about getting involved and in looking at organic agriculture and looking at these kinds of issues as well. Because she felt it even, you know, through her own family. Well, great. I want to thank you for joining me today. I'm happy to be here. Thanks for listening to the Every Tongue Got to Confess podcast. Be sure to find the rest of the episodes by searching for us online and subscribing to us on iTunes.